Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. We're still in uh, 1 Peter. We're in 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll be beginning in verse 17 tonight. Tonight, we're talking about the fear of the Lord. Um, and we're commanded to fear God. Um, we often don't like to think about that. Uh, we often want to remind ourselves of the places in Scripture where it says, Fear not, right? Fear not, I'll be with you. Fear not. He, he's telling us, Don't be afraid. But there's a balance here because the Scripture also tells us there are, are, are times and, and there's a sense in which we ought to fear Him. Um, I think whenever the Bible tells us, fear not, that usually I think it's, it's in a sense in which we're not to fear man. We're not to fear what people can do to us. But at the same time, we are to have a fear of God. And if we have an appropriate fear of God, if we have a right fear of God, it is supposed to drive out the fear of man. So we can stand up and be courageous and do bold things for God because we fear Him and, and His judgment and, and His uh, the fact that we're going to stand before Him and give an account more then we fear what people will think of us. More than what we fear about what people might do to us. And, and so tonight, we're looking at a text where in the midst of a hostile society, which, which Peter is writing to believers who are persecuted in, in, in Asia Minor, and, and they are living in a hostile society, and because Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll hate you too, um, all believers of all times can say we live in a hostile society too. And one of the things that we ought to do to be able to, to be able to stand up and live in such a hostile society is to fear God. So let's look at our text. Uh, beginning in verse 17 of First Peter chapter 1, it says, And if you call on Him as Father, one who judges impartially according to each one's deeds... Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, by Your Word, we have life. Your Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. It is the thing that opens our eyes, that gives us, along with the Holy Spirit, it gives us life. 
we we go from darkness to light. We go from death into life. When we hear the proclamation of your word and the spirit quickens that and and our eyes are opened and we begin to have new desires for God, new affections. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us by your word tonight. And I pray that you would would help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, give me strength as I preach your word. And Father, I pray that, uh, well, I, I just confess that my confidence is not in me, but it is in the power of your word and your spirit to take your gospel and use it in the hearts of hearers. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. He begins here in this section, And if you call on Him as Father, Him who judges impartially. I'm going to focus in on one little word. It says and. And we don't usually pay attention to an and. But this and here reminds us that this is in the context of, 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 of a larger passage and, and a larger argument. Uh, he, he's continuing on something that he's already been saying. So uh, let's back up a little bit um, and remi- I'll, re- I'll remind us of what we've been hearing in the book of First Peter so far. He tells us um, we ought to praise God. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He sta- sa- and the point of that is we're to praise Him. And we praise Him because of the things that He lists there. He says, because He's caused us to be born again. He's caused us, He's given us new life. He's, he's opened our eyes. He's caused us to believe. He's, he's caused us to be born again and become new people. That is a thing that we ought to praise God for. And, and He's caused us also uh, to have a, a living hope. A, a hope that we look forward to in the future that, that can never be touched. Uh, that, that, is, that is imperishable. It's undefiled. It's, it's unfading. All of those things. And it is kept in heaven for us. And, and He keeps us by His power. All of those things that He has described ought to cause us to praise Him. And we can also praise Him because uh, in the midst of suffering because of this salvation, right? We can praise Him in the midst of suffering, in the midst of, of pain, in the midst of pulmonary fibrosis, in the midst of, of, of all kinds of, of, of brain cancer, of all kinds of things. We can praise Him in the midst of that because we have an eternal hope that we're looking forward to. We also have this great privilege of revelation. We can see how the mysteries of God have been revealed that were hidden through the ages. You know, uh, how it, it told us that the prophets proclaimed things that were going to happen, but they never saw. And there were things that even angels just longed to look into, but they never got to see until the time came when Jesus came, He died upon the cross for our sins and He redeemed us. We live on this side of the cross and there's a great privilege in that. We can, we can point to what Jesus did and say, this was the plan of God from all of history. This was the plan of God from before the foundation of the world. And we can praise and magnify Him because of His great wisdom and mercy and kindness that He's shown us. 
in Christ. So that was the first part. And then he moved in verse uh, 13 and he said, therefore, right? He said, therefore, because of all this, because of what God has done for you in Christ Jesus, then you are to live in this way. He says, we're to set our hope fully on the grace that is to be revealed. Set our hope fully on it. We need to be looking forward to the time when Jesus comes again and put our full hope, our full weight on that. And he tells us to be holy as God is holy. That seems like an impossible thing. To be holy like God is holy. Nobody can be holy as God. But it tells us as obedient children, He's, he's caused us to be born again. He's, he's made us new. We're now sons of God. And because of that, we can imitate our Father. We can be holy because of the change that He's made within our hearts. And now he's moving on in the same argument. He said, set your hope fully on the, on the grace that is to be revealed. He says, be holy as I am holy. And now he's saying, and if you call on him as father, remember he said before, as obedient children, he's pulling up the same theme again, as you, if you call on him as father, him who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds. He's reminding us something about the one whom we call Father. We, we can call Him Father. That's a great tenderness. We can call, Just like Jesus taught us in the, in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. We can, we can pray and call God our Father. And at the same time, He is the one we're going to stand before in judgment someday. There's both a tenderness and a justness that we see here. The one who judges impartially. He's, he's impartial in the sense that he doesn't play favorites. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't choose people because they're white or black. He doesn't choose people because they're rich or poor. He doesn't choose people for any socioeconomic reason. He doesn't choose anybody for their, for their ethnic background or any of those things. He doesn't choose people because they're of their, uh, of their um, vocation in life or any of those things. He, he is completely impartial. He doesn't judge based... He doesn't play favorites in that way. Rather, he is completely fair. Um, now, I hate the word fair. <laughs> in, in a sense, fair is not the right word because if it was really fair, we'd all just go to hell. <laughs> we'd all just go to hell because that's what we all deserve. But the sense in which he's impartial is he doesn't pick people based on, on the... Uh, and he doesn't judge people based on, you know, the color of their skin, the... the, the uh, um, how much money they have, any things like that, anything like that. He judges impartially according to each one's deeds. According to each one's deeds, and, and that ought to that ought to you know already begin to cause a little bit of fear in us, maybe, because we know we're sinners. If we're believers and we come to this text and we're honest, we know we're sinners. 
And, and it causes a little bit of fear in us to know, I'm going to stand before God in judgment one day for my deeds. Both the just and the unjust. Everybody, whether you're believer or unbeliever, we're all going to stand and give an account for what we've done with this life. He's impartial. If, we're, if that is the situation, if we can call on God as our Father, as this one who also judges impartially, then we ought to, what it says here, conduct ourselves in fear. It's right to have a proper fear of God. We ought not to, be, to live in terror. The Gospel reminds us that our sins are paid for. Uh, the, the Gospel reminds us that Jesus took the punishment of God's wrath on Himself. So we don't have to have a, a terror, but, but uh, one example that, that uh, came in my reading was, was driving. If, if you're driving, it's good to have a healthy fear of having an accident. It, it can prevent you from doing something stupid, Right? And, and at the same time, it's good to have a healthy... We're not terrified of going out and driving unless maybe on the very day that you got your uh, learner's permit, you had an accident. I, I, I don't mean to pick on anybody. We're not terrified. We, we, we get out there and we drive again, even if we've had an accident. But it's good to have that healthy fear. We, we, we live in a way that is in accordance with the fact that we know what we do in this life matters. What we, we know that the things that we do matter and, and that, that warning that we are to fear God helps prevent us from going over the cliff morally. That warning helps prevent us from being what some call a, a libertine of just saying, it doesn't matter what we do. Uh, everybody is just okay. We, we ought not to, to judge people for what they do. We'll just, just everybody live and let live and we just do whatever we want. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That's, that's not how we are to live. We need to have a healthy fear that one of these days we're going to stand before God and He will bring us to account for everything that we've ever done. And at the same time, we balance that with the fact that if we're trusting in Jesus, when we stand before Him at that judgment someday, we know that the judgment that we deserve has been poured out on Jesus already. So he tells us, conduct yourselves with fear through the time of your exile. Through the time of your exile. It's reminding us, whenever the, whenever the, the book first opened up in chapter, in verse 1, it's said, to the elect exiles scattered throughout the dispersion. And here again, he's, tell, he's call, saying, we, we live in exile. We, we live, this world is not our home, right? It is in the sense that one day He's coming to redeem everything, to set everything right, to wipe every tear from every eye. But at the same time, we're to live as strangers and aliens. We, we, there's something different about us from those who are outside of Christ. 
And, and we ought to live like people who are strange in the midst of this world. Conduct yourselves with fear through the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. He tells us first to, be, to fear God, and then he reminds us, he brings us about to the gospel again, doesn't he? He says, knowing this, knowing this, you were ransomed. <laughs> you were ransomed. You, you were once a slave to sin. You were once broken. You were once unable to do anything at all to save yourself. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And Jesus paid it all. Like the song says, Jesus paid it all. He, he, he paid our ransom. A ransom is a price paid in order to set a slave free. And we were slaves to sin, and Jesus paid our debt. We were slaves, and, and, and we owed God because of our, our sin. We owed Him a penalty, a penalty of death because of our sin. And Jesus paid our debt. We were ransomed. And He tells us, it's, it's, we were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from our forefathers. You know, it's uh, been because of our cultural moment. Um, there's been discussion about how does somebody repent of the things that their ancestors did, right? And I, I saw this clip of uh, of uh, Tucker Carlson, um, and he was talking about this comment com, concept, and he said, you know, people don't inherit guilt from their ancestors, and I'm like, Tucker, you don't know the Bible. <laughs> uh, he, he didn't know the Bible. The fact is, the Bible teaches we all inherited sin uh, from Adam on down. And, and, um, and here, we have inherited a futile way of life, an empty way of life, a life that leads to nowhere from our, from our forefathers, because from Adam on down. That's what we inherit when we come into this world. But we've got a greater inheritance, right? There's, let's contrast those inheritances. We, we've inherited a, a, a feudal way of life, but because of Jesus, because of what He's done, because of the fact that He's caused us to be born again and we're children of God, we've got a greater inheritance that will never fade away. We were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from our forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. Now, I, I, I scratched my head at that a little bit. I remember whenever we, we talked about how our inheritance in heaven, it's imperishable. And I talked about it. Uh, perishable, it's like a piece of fruit, right? And it's so good and nice and this, this nice juicy peach and I bite it and I just enjoy it so much, but it's perishable. So if it sits out on the counter too long and I grab it, I might find a worm in it. Or it might just start to smell rancid. But here it says, we were ransomed, we were bought by Jesus, not with perishable things such as silver and gold. When I think of perishable, I don't exactly think of silver and gold. I think that's something that's going to last, right? But our, our, our God's economy <laughs> turns all that on its head. Remember, 
silver or gold, when, when we get to our new inheritance, that's just pavement. <laughs> that, that, that's just, you know, silver or gold, that's, that's, that's going to that's gonna pass away. Either physically or also in the sense that if we got a little bit of silver and gold in our pockets, it's going to be gone. We'll spend it. It'll be gone. And it's perishable. But at the same time, he says, we're not purchased, we're not ransomed by with, with, with uh, silver or gold that's perishable. No, we've been ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We were bought with a price, and that price was the blood of Jesus. When He hung on the cross and died, He was buying us. He was paying the price to set us free from sin and from the penalty of sin, which was the wrath of God that we deserve. He bought us, He ransomed us with His own blood. And, and this reminds us of the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. And it even uses that kind of language, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And in the Old Testament, whenever they performed a sacrifice of a lamb, they had to make sure that it was a good one. They had to make sure it was the most highest quality, that, that there were no blemishes or no spots upon that lamb. Because God wanted the best. He wouldn't do, it wouldn't do to, to give God something less than the best. And Jesus was like that lamb. And, and it's not that Jesus was physically perfect in all of, with no, lamb, no, uh, no blemish or spot, but He was sinless. He was sinless. He, he lived a perfect sinless life in this world. He, he lived a, the, a full life from, from a baby all the way up to 30-something. And, and he went through puberty. <laughs> and, and he went through hormonal changes. He, he, he went through all the, the things that happen in a human life. And he was without sin. He was perfect. He was he was spotless. He was without blemish. And, and this perfect, spotless, unblemished one, sinless one, paid our price, our debt, with His own blood. It moves on. Then at, at verse 20, it begins to expound on the greatness and, 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 and helps drive home how valuable and precious the blood of Christ is. Verse 20 says, For He, that is Christ, was foreknown before the foundation of the world. We had the word foreknown earlier on. Um, God, um, it, it says that we were chosen... Verse one, uh, verse two, we were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. This is this part of God's plan from before the foundation of the world to save us. Uh, but but whenever it's talking about Jesus here, there's more implications on that. Whenever it talks about Jesus being foreknown before the foundation of the world, it's not just that that God knew or chose, but that 
Jesus was pre-existent. He was, he was pre-existent. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but He was made manifest in, in these last days, these last times. It, it reminds me of, of John chapter 1, verse 14, which says, In the beginning was the Word. No, I'm sorry. Verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. But verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh. The Word, the pre-existent Son of God, the third, the second person of the Trinity that had existed from all eternity became flesh. And here it says He was manifested. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but He's made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. This One who was perfect, who was spotless, He had, had lived in eternity past with the Father. He was one with God. The very Son of God who had, who, had, who had always existed became flesh and He was manifested and lived among sinful human beings and He did all of that for the sake of you. It tells us there at the very end of verse 20, in the last times for the sake of you. Why did Jesus, the Son of God, leave heaven and come to earth where He could be despised and forsaken, where He would be beaten, but it was for your sake. Now, the Bible tells us a couple of reasons why Jesus came. In Romans, often it talks about how He died so that God would be vindicated. Because it, it, it looked like maybe God was unjust because He had overlooked sins. And so the death of Jesus gave a foundation for how we could understand that God could be both just and the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. But here, it tells us another aspect of why Jesus came. He, he was made manifest for the sake of us so that we could be saved, so that we, he, he died in our place. It's both and. And I think some people try to, try to make it, well, Jesus died for God, and, and some people try to make it, well, just Jesus died for us, and, and it's both. The Bible teaches both. Verse 21. Who, he, he died on the sake, sake on, on, for the sake of you, who through Him are believers in God. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross that made us believers. It's through Him. We, we could not have become believers in God if it wasn't for the work that Jesus did on the cross. We would have continued in our alienation from Him. We would, have, we would have continued in our sin and in our, our deadness, in our, our sins and transgressions. But instead, because of the work of Christ, we have become believers in Him who... There's another who here. The first who was talking about us. The next who was talking about God. Who raised Him, God, Jesus, from the dead and gave Him glory. Jesus didn't stay dead. When we, he, he came and He paid our ransom, he, he died, 
he, he spilled his blood to the ground so that we could be saved. And at the same time, the Father raised him from the dead and gave him glory. This one who died as a, a spectacle, this one who died in shame, hanging naked on a cross, that people spat at and mocked. When, G when He was risen from the dead, God gave Him glory. He raised Him from the dead, and now He is seated at the right hand of God, and He is the King of all the universe. He is reigning today. So that your faith and hope are in God. He raised Jesus from the dead so that our faith and hope would be in God. Because if Jesus had just stayed dead, we wouldn't have any reason to have our faith and hope in God. Jesus was risen from the dead. Our faith is grounded in the fact that He was risen from the dead. All that, let's, let's come back around and kind of look at the, thing, look at the text as a whole. We are, as believers, to fear God. Not a dread, not a terror, but a, a holy and reverent fear that affects our behavior, that prevents us from going off the deep end. And we are to remember that, that He judges impartially. That ought to help us to have that right kind of fear. And we need to remember that we were ransomed. We were bought with a price. We were bought with the precious blood of Christ who was God in the flesh. <laughs> and I'm going to go back to verse 3. That's something that ought to cause us to praise Him. That is something that ought to cause us to praise Him. That is something that ought to cause us to sing hallelujah because of what He has done. He left heaven, the glories of heaven, came and lived among men, was a sinless human being, died for our place. That should cause us to praise Him. We can sing the song we're going to close with tonight. Jesus is mine. The holy, infinite, second person of the Trinity is mine. That ought to cause us to praise Him. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.